0: Play fake. Young goes deep middle. He's got Jerry Wright. Touchdown, down 49ers.
1: Welcome to another edition of the 49ers Family Podcast, where three generations of 49ers fans break down the game each week and hear from Grandpa Mike as he shares personal experiences since he became a fan in 1949. My name is Josh, and I'm here with my dad, Jared, and my grandpa, Mike, and we are a 49ers family. All right. I say this every single week for the last eight weeks. Ooh, it feels good. It feels really nice, Um, especially eight weeks in a row. The league-leading eight um, games in a row, the Niners have won. It has been a fun ride. It has not been, honestly, a smooth ride, Uh, but we are sitting here, sitting pretty, um, still in that number three seed we'll talk a little bit more about that later in this episode uh, and kind of some implications there games to watch out this weekend um but but let's get let's get right into it the Niners take down the Washington Commanders 37 to 20 with um you know once again I got to give props to you both you both predicted um some some big scores I think dad you were into the mid-30s and i was like yeah you you're crazy we're not putting up 35 points against this commander's team and what did we do yeah we put up 37 i don't think anybody besides you uh saw that coming so so props to you dad all right
2: no nope, no problem yeah i just thought we were uh, uh gonna unleash a, a little um whooping on them and uh, we'll find the end zone and usually it's the second half we make the adjustments and, Sure enough, that's what I was holding my breath, uh, but they, they delivered in the second half. So it was, it was fun.
1: It was a fun one. Well, grandpa would love to get your thoughts on the game. What what did you think? It was, it was a tale of two halves. I can agree with that. Yeah, it was. Um, well, I am just
0: stoked sitting here in heaven. I mean, everything is falling into place at the end of the season. And um but the Washington Commanders, I still have trouble calling them the Commanders, I want to call them the Redskins, but anyway, that's what it is. <clears throat> um, first, a little history. Um, the Shanahan's worked for Daniel Snyder at Washington um, about 10 years ago. They, uh, Mike, Mike Shanahan was the head coach and Kyle was the offensive coordinator. And they were fired by owner Daniel Snyder after the 2013 season. And apparently, and they don't talk a lot about this, but they have said some things over the years, uh, Daniel Snyder really um, gets in your way. And he wanted so-and-so to be the quarterback and -and so-and-so to be the running back. And he, you know, hires his coaching staff and then he tells you who to play. So they did not get along there was certainly some ill feelings. And six years later, um, the Niners played Washington in 2019, and we won nine to nothing. And after the game, Kyle gave a game ball to his father. (laughs) So that was, you know, just to, you know, rub it in. And uh, they haven't forgotten Daniel Snyder. But anyway, so that's just a little history. And um, I know he, Kittle, during the week, said, you know, Shanahan is saying, we're we're going all out. We're pedal to the metal. We're we're not going to coast. We want to win this game, and it's full force ahead. So eight in a row. um, It's exceptional in this league to have, you know, a winning streak like that. And it coincides with... The trade for Christian McCaffrey. And just when we got him, this team became elite. Um, I've been rooting for these guys my whole life for, you know, 70 something years. And, uh, this is one of the best teams we've had, <clears throat> especially on defense. Um, so yeah, it was kind of a tale of two halves that seven to seven at halftime, Washington ran the ball 24 times in the first half, and they ate up over 20 minutes of the 30 minute clock. And that's what they were trying to do is just keep the ball away from us. and they did. Um, it was seven to seven. and then we make these brilliant halftime adjustments and score 30 points in the second half. Um, and then just some notes that I, I made. Fred Warner has reached an incredible milestone by recording a hundred. Or more tackles in every season that he's played. It's now his fifth year, and there's only five players to ever accomplish this. So he's really putting himself in great stead, especially when it comes to the Hall of Bame boat, which he's only 26, but um, you know, he's 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 got some great stats. Um, another thing that jumps out at me, rock Purdy when he throws over 20 yards he's completing 57 percent of his passes and this is new to us right. jimmy didn't throw deep and so it's kind of a new element of our story um and he is just rock pretty um he had his 23rd birthday yesterday so you know he's just full of poise and confidence and uh, he's just been exceptional and a surprise. Um, And then when the Niners were backed up on our own own goal line in the second quarter, it's interesting what you do when you're really backed up, you go to your strength and they ran behind Aaron Banks two plays in a row and picked up a first down. So, uh, you know, I was just pleased one of the new guys there they're running behind, so that was good for Aaron Banks. He's playing very well. Um, and then there's this guy, Nick Bosa. I don't know if you've heard of him or not. I think, the whole le- I think the whole league has heard of him by now. But his stat line, listen to this. He had mm-hmm. seven tackles, five quarterback hits, three sacks. One was, I'll talk about it in a second. Three sacks, two tackles for a loss. And a forced fumble. Um, now he doesn't get credit for one of the sacks because it was on the two point uh, extra point conversion. So he now has 17 and a half sacks. The 49er record is held by Alden Smith at 19 and a half. So he's too short of that. And he was named the defensive player of the week again this week. I mean, so he's, he's really a shoe in for defensive player of the year and the last time that we had a defensive player of the year um was deon sanders in 1994 and that's the year last time we went to the
1: super bowl so all this is lining up wow last time we last time we won the super bowl not the last time we yeah that guy. last oh. time we won the super bowl we've lost two close ones That's a great piece. That's a great piece of trivia. I I love that. Um, that's, that says a lot. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, let's see. And, and, and this weekend, Minnesota is at Green Bay Mm -hmm. and Green Bay is favored by three. And if we could secure the number two seed, it means we would play two playoff games at home instead of one. So it's a big deal. So, Hopefully Green Bay can do it and we can win out. I mean, there's lots of things that still have to happen, but it's looking good. Everything's falling into place. It is looking Uh, good. And this Saturday, our game against Washington was the first time that our defensive line was intact for three months, okay, since September 25th. It's amazing the Niners have been the number one defensive team in the whole we haven't even had our defensive line in place so kinla played 14 snaps and and that's good um and then just another interesting thing is teams that we've played this this year teams we played this year the next week those teams are zero and 13 <laughs> i mean we're a physical team so those are some of my thoughts um, on the Washington game and eight in a row and 11 and four and we're smoking
1: yeah we are smoking a uh, couple of thoughts on your thoughts Uh right, yeah kind of on your point on on Aaron Banks yeah he's playing great another thing that I saw this week that I thought was particularly interesting is that Jake Brendel Um, our center has also been playing out of his mind Uh, he's been playing as a top 10 center even after we lost Alex Mack there was a lot of concern how are we going to replace that guy he was such a good center for us and Kyle Shanahan the back even in Atlanta and brought him back to the bay Um, but Jake Brendel um, he has been Ranked, he ranks number four among NFL centers in pass blocking efficiency, number seventeen in run block grade. Um, but even even that's over the whole entire year. But since the Christian McCaffrey trade, Brendel has ranked number eight in run block run blocking. So um, just exceptional stuff from Ann Banks. I also want to give credit to Jake Brendel. We've talked about Trent Williams plenty, uh, and then you got the whole uh, Brunskill and Burford situation that they just kind of just keep trading and kind of going in and out. And the greatness that they're seeing there at that, uh, they're just kind of not messing with it uh, because it's working so well. And then, yeah, particularly in this game, you know, Mike McLenchie had a couple lame false starts that really kind of might have taken away a touchdown, maybe. Um, gave us put us into third and long situations rather than third and short, uh, which we then you know kicked field goals. Uh, didn't like that, but besides those false starts, he actually played particularly well. Uh, so we are we're getting really good O line play. Which you look around the league, a lot of success is really determined in those in the trenches. I mean, everybody knows that, but yeah. if you look at the metrics, it's one of those things. It's it's a totally leading indicator of success is success in the trenches o-line blocking grade pass blocking grade as well as um you know run blocking and um pass blocking on the defensive side you know what what they can what they can do and our and we are just so fortunate to have the in the as far as the last eight weeks go number one offense in dvoa and the number one defense in dvoa like on Unbelievable. And we're going to going to get Debo back. Good news on that front. He might even be at practice uh, or practicing on Thursday in a limited form. Um, Elijah Mitchell is making a lot of progress. He might be back for the Cardinals game. Um, and then you already mentioned it, but Javon Kinlaw was activated, played a, you know, a snap count of under 15 snaps. He wanted to play more, but they want to really take it easy on his knee. Um, and really get him ramped up for the playoffs. So we, this this amazing team is is only getting better. Um, and I know we were talking about this a little bit right before dad, but and you you had a good point saying that you know without those early season struggles, we might not be in the situation.
2: Yeah, without those early uh, early season losses against teams like the Bears and um, the Broncos. Um, we might not have uh, gone after uh, Christian McCaffrey and gave up what we did for him. Uh, we were looking for something to ignite our team, just that extra plus. Um, and uh, I think those early losses and just those we are holding our breath, that, uh, that was the ignition to, uh, to get Christian McCaffrey and to go after him. And that is, was a game changer. He is, he's like strike the 49ers struck gold, if you will. And he, he came West. I mean, I talked to uh, somebody today They to go, who was this Christian McCaffrey? I never even heard of him before. You know, obviously he wasn't a huge football fan, but he's a football fan. And, uh, but he came West and all of a sudden, um, the, I mean, everybody knows about him. He was kind of hidden over there with the Panthers and, uh, playing on the East coast and we just didn't get to see him, but he is, he's lightning in a bottle. Um, and he's, he's a machine and, uh, uh, it's so good to have him. Also yeah, yeah. about him in this game in particular, he had fewer carries and fewer touches all around the board. And that's I I see uh, Shanahan kind of just kind of protecting him a little bit potentially uh, in this last game and y- utilizing um, some other players, even giving the ball to Ray Ray, you know, on a run, mm-hmm. you know, that was a, a Devo kind of play. Um, but Christian McCaffrey, I mean, he's he, he is a workhorse and he's taken a lot of hits and he gets beat up. So I like pacing him. So it was interesting to see how um, he played this last game. He only had a total of like, I think as like 80 or 90 yards uh, passing and receive or rushing yeah. and receiving total, something like that. Um, but that's that's just fine. So uh, been, which, uh,
1: yeah, not to cut you off, but um, which I'd love to see, honestly. Not that I want him to get lower yards, but the yes. fact that we scored thirty-seven points yep. without his production is also kind of mind-blowing. Yep.
2: Yep. Totally. No
1: Debo. I mean, too. So
2: no Debo. No Elijah Mitchell. I mean, it's really yeah. crazy. Um, deep. Go ahead.
0: No, I just said the Niners are deep. Yeah, super, yeah, yeah. Super Somebody gets hurt. Next up. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Um. Just a, a more com- Just a few comments. Uh, I mean, at the beginning of the season, we said offensive line. That's where we're concerned. Bakes, um, Brendel, and Burford. You know, and sure enough, I mean, we haven't even said their name in weeks, and they've been just doing their job. It's beautiful, and we are, we are so fortunate in our line on both sides of the ball is just is Studley and uh, the the statistics show that. um, This game, a couple of things that come to mind is, I I just really, I think, uh, tremendous, you know, chemistry is happening with the the 49ers. We've mentioned a number of times. um, uh, And I think Purdy kind of has brought that chemistry really together more. I mean, it was forming with Garoppolo, And then Purdy is taken to the next level. Just the players' support of him, what they feel from him, what he's shown them all throughout the season. And now uh, they love this kid. Kittle and Purdy have a tremendous chemistry. You could see it right away in the early um, game or two, how Kittle was just really high in Purdy, confidence in him. And that is just kind of pervasive throughout the franchise right now. The chemistry. Now, Purdy isn't like the next Tom Brady for sure, necessarily, but he is, he's got that it factor that everybody says we can do this. Um, So, this game had Purdy's hand all over it. Um, He did have one interception that was off of Jennings. It was kind of a a deflection, if you will. Um, Two TDs, a great quarterback rating of 114. Um, I liked Kittle getting the ball uh, like he did on some, he had the, uh, what, six uh, receptions, eight targets. Um, that was was really cool. He took one ball away from uh, Ray Ray. Um, mm-hmm. That was awesome. Um, but, uh, you know, it's seven points and we'll take it. And then um, we just didn't give up. We you know we, we, we had some, we got stuck in the red zone. We were one of five, I think, in the red zone. That short yardage in the red zone, the conversion, all that stuff. Things just we kind of did stall a little bit, but that's okay. We we punch it in for three points or whatever we do. I mean, the game could we could have scored, for, you know, in the high 40s, you know, 50 points easily. Um, So that's it's all good. We're moving the ball, and that's huge. And yes, we will gonna need gonna need to convert, and when it's a a playoff game and the games on the line we're going to have to make those plays and, and and we will but another thing was the defense was um was stout you know i i told my grandpa this before weeks ago i said we bend we don't break you know and then the, the announcer started using that because that's what our defense does you can push and push and push when it's time to make a stand our defense shows up and 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 they don't break you know so that was real fun and bosa like grandpa said was all over his hands were all over this game with that stat line uh, you know um was crazy four qb hits two sacks two tackles for loss um it's pretty it's just awesome and uh, everybody's just just playing really well and the commanders gave us a really good fight i mean they're a good team and in that division back there they're actually a very competitive division and we hadn't really played anybody back there in a while so um i think uh We handled them well, and we came out healthy. So um, all in all, it was uh, uh, a really good game. And I think we learned a lot, and we'll make some adjustments and grow a little bit more. Um, And Purdy had some great arm angle throws, very unique stuff. He threw some deep balls, um, and he just didn't shake. And they they, uh, um, blitzed him a ton as well, you know. Um, and he's able to pick up the the blitz beautifully and find the open man. Um, yeah. It's crazy. Um, so I'm very high on everything that's happening right now, but I love their chemistry. And at every, at every position, I mean, I feel we are so strong um, and everything's kind of gelling.
1: Gelling indeed. And you now back to your point on kind of how, what kind of those those stripes that we took um, at the beginning of the season and kind of make you stronger. Uh, also, want to acknowledge that that butt whooping by Kansas City, I think, also came at a good time. That was the first game with Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, he barely you know touched the ball that game, um, but that was a that was another wake up call for the season. You know, our defense had already been pretty elite, and they got smacked in the mouth there. Um, and kind of set us up to go on this run uh, you know we haven't played the toughest opponents but we haven't played you know cupcakes either with you know the Miami Dolphins Tampa Bay Bucks, with the Rams in there before they lost everybody in there bad um, you know this is it, 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 it it's hard to win football games in the NFL it's especially hard to win eight in a row that's why nobody does it um, so you no know, especially with a third string rookie quarterback um, draft the last guy in the whole entire draft you know I mean they, they would be talking uh, somebody mentioned this this week and I couldn't agree more they would be talking about Mr. Eleven if this was his fifth year in the league it, it's that crazy even if he was starting playing this well in on a playoff team going into the playoffs they would be talking about it in his fifth year because it's sure. still that crazy the fact that he's a rookie and doing this and demanding the respect that he is demanding um, and being part of the culture and all this stuff i love to see him at debo uh, uh with debo at a warriors game on on saturday i thought that was so cool um that even debo he's out um you know rehabbing his knee and ankle but he's still developing that chemistry with brock purdy i love 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 that
2: one last thing on purdy um things like uh, one thing that Kittle keeps saying when he's interviewed is he's like the kid started you know four, four years uh, in college you know he's played more reps than most NFL uh, players after three or four years you know what I mean um, and as a rookie he's coming with that experience so I wrote down some things arm angles uh, Purdy that's one of his strengths he's a, he is a deep threat he's got the 10-yard sprint and dash he's got a super high football IQ you know Um, which a lot of good athletes don't have that. And we've seen some really good athletic quarterbacks that missed that IQ points, you know, Um, and he uses his eyes a lot. He knows how to look people off. He's doing the small things that the average fan doesn't even realize, but those in the know and watch the film see that he does. Um, But just tremendous. And he's that explosive speed I talked about. So, yeah. It's very fun. All right.
1: All right. Um, Grandpa, What? anything else from this commander's game? Uh, things that popped out to you on the maybe the stat sheet? Yeah. Um, what's interesting, so we won the
0: game 37 to 20, but Washington ran 69 plays to our 51. Yep. You think, okay, they won the game. Um, and their stats, I know they got a lot of garbage time at the end, a lot of yards um, when Wentz came in, but <clears throat> they had 349 yards. That's the most we've given up since the Kansas City game. Um, so the stats are, I mean, they had 21 first downs to our 14. They they kind of outstat us, but we won the scoreboard. Yeah. So,
2: we
1: had two yeah. Ta- we had two takeaways. yeah two we had- takeaways yeah the the interception by Jimmy Ward which was awesome um and a similar play that we saw you know a couple weeks ago and then that that forced fumble by Nick Bosa that almost it's a forced fumble on the stat sheet but it was actually an interception at the same time because the ball didn't touch the ground and Jordan Willis you know mossed the guy and got the ball that was that was so fun to see you yeah. know yeah, so um,
0: I mean, everything else. The, the penalties were really managing that well. We only had four, and that's you know many weeks in a row now. Not a lot of penalties. The only thing we really, really have to work on is the red zone. We were one for five in the red zone, and and that's been kind of our thing all year. Um, we don't perform well in the end zone, like you guys say. We, as everything everything is bunched up, and um, somehow we need to make touchdowns and not field goals. Robbie Gold um, moved into number eight on the field goal list, so he he um, so yeah, he's he's moving up. And you don't talk about the kickers much, but. Um, he's been really consistent. He's, you know, he's kicking like eighty-nine percent of his field goals. So, um, yeah.
1: So there's a couple of things on the stat sheet. Yeah, I would agree with those two. Those things I think are very. Uh, they pop off and are kind of definitely discussion points. Other things that popped off to me are uh, once again on a on a rush heavy team as Washington is. Uh, we held them to two point four yards per carry love to see that anything below three or really 3.3 because it takes three runs to get a first down or, you know, that 3.3, that gives you 10 yards. Um, is great. So under 2.5 is ridiculous. So that's, that's awesome. Uh, it helped to have Javon Kinlaw back there. And then as much as we talked about the red zone as well in this game, you know, I would love to see a little bit better third down efficiency. We were four for 11. It helped because we, we got some good chunk plays on the first and second down and the the drives that we made, uh, like the one coming out of the the locker room in the second half, I think it was seven yards, uh, seven plays for 75 uh, yards or something like that. Uh, so, you know, it's not, it wasn't one of those games that we needed to have that 50, 60% uh, conversion rate on third down to to score points because we still scored 37. But when you play better teams, uh, of course you want to be better on third down so I'm, I'm sure they'll, they'll address that this week um, and the thing that's not on the stat sheet that did get talked about and yeah Carson Wentz did expose us a little bit but even Taylor Heineke props to him had some great throws in the first half and exposed us a little bit in the secondary on third and long like their average third down uh, yardage was like third and eight uh, or third and eight point something uh, but they still, they they converted thir- seven for 13 third downs, yep. so I'm sure that, you know, those gaps and uh, that space that was there or, or lack of coverage or whatever, uh, I'm sure Demiko Ryans will is going to address that uh, to make sure that that's not there for this next week and even, you know, going into the playoffs, of course.
0: So the, um, I'm going to say the Redskins, the Commanders Um, ran the ball 24 times in the first half and 33 for the game so you can see how we changed that I mean they ran the ball nine times in the second half as compared to 24 so we forced them to pass which they wanted to run that was their game plan so anyway um yeah all in all a, a very good game um another win and we're
1: 11 and four we're eleven and four. Feels great, baby. Um, I just like to say my prediction for this year was that we would go eleven and six. Once again, that was a whole nother team. That was Trey Lance as our starting quarterback. No CMC, nothing. Um, and I thought we would go eleven and six. So even if we lose these next two games, which I'm I'm almost positive we won't, um, we'd still meet my prediction and go into the playoffs. But uh, it's, it is it is a fun fun year, um, and uh, we can talk about now the Las Vegas Raiders and what to expect this weekend because, uh, as we always say, we, we record these on Wednesday nights, so we don't normally know everything, but a key piece of information came out today about the Las Vegas Raiders. Grandpa, maybe something about their quarterback? Yeah, um,
0: yeah they've got some issues. Derek Carr is – not going to play the last two games. So they're, um, in fact, he has even left the team, I heard this afternoon. He's not going to be at the game because he would be a distraction. And he is so mad, he's saying, I will be somewhere else next year. Wow. Now, the, I did not hear the Raiders that. owe him a lot of money. It's like 44 million or something. I, but, you know, so they, <clears throat> So Derek Carr is a little upset, and he won't be playing. And then we were a six-point favorite this morning. And once that was announced, we jumped to a 10-point favorite, and it'll probably go higher. Um, And then um, as we travel well, um, they're predicting that 60% of the fans in Las Vegas will be Niner fans. So we're going to take over a stadium again.
1: Yeah. Um, Honestly, I, I, I would be there. Uh, but apparently the Vegas Raiders have the most expensive ticket on average. Uh, and even for this game in particular on New Year's Day, the average ticket is over $500. You're kidding. Um, unbelievable. So I was like, nope, thanks. Um, maybe next year. <laughs> uh, watch it on TV. I watch it on TV. But but yeah, it's, it's you know, it should be still a good game. This is another, uh, you know, it's kind of <clears throat> not to change the mentality of this game though, but playing against a backup quarterback, kind of a, a depleted team, they are injured, they're banged up. They're bringing, they're signing guys off of, you know, practice squads, etc. Uh, they are six and nine, just lost to the Steelers, in which Derek Carr threw three interceptions. You know, as you just said, Grant, but Niners are favored by ten. The over and under is forty one point five. I think those are both conservative, um, and would not be surprised to see the Niners uh, really put it on the Raiders and, and kind of treat this game as a, as a tune up and really assert their dominance on the offensive and defensive side of the ball. um, And, uh, and just really take care of business. This um, the Raiders and the Niners, I mean, they
0: used to play eight miles apart when they were in the Bay area and the rivalry was really thick and heavy and, actually mean and nasty they used to play every preseason because nobody would have to travel the the raiders trained in napa and the 49ers trained in santa clara so you know there was no plane trips or anything and it it got so rowdy and there were so many fights in the stands that the teams got together and agreed to no longer play in the preseason that was like five, six, seven years ago. So, yeah, it it was a real heated rivalry. I think now that they've moved to Vegas, it's different. Yeah. Um, but anyway, you know, going way back, um, it, it, you know the the Raiders had a an interesting beginning. I don't know, we want to get into that, but. Yeah, I was just about to say, I'd love to hear about the beginning. Okay, well, what happened in 1959 when the AFL was being formed, they had initially eight teams and one was to be in Minnesota. And at kind of at the last minute, the NFL voted to put a team in Minneapolis, it was the Vikings, and they started in 1961. So, the AFL thought, okay, we can't compete in this market; it's not big enough for two, two teams. So they, at the last minute, had to scramble. And um, then, what was his name? Baron Hilton, who owned the Chargers, in the first year, the Chargers played in L.A. Um, and then San Diego, but. Baron Hilton owned the Chargers and he demanded a second team be placed on the West Coast when this thing happened. And so Oakland had not applied for a team. They didn't have a stadium. Um, they, you know, they, they didn't. There was nothing. And um, so anyway, uh, when Baron Hilton said he was going to pull his um, ownership, if they didn't put another team on the West Coast, it became um, a team in Oakland. And there's more to this story and not many people know this. This is a great trivia question, but their original nickname, the Oakland Raiders original nickname was the Oakland Seniors, okay? And actually the Oakland Tribune, the newspaper in Oakland ran a contest to name the team, and Seniors was the most popular name, surprisingly. Raiders, the Raider name finished third, but hap- what happened is right after they named the team the Seniors, it, nine days later, they changed it to the Raiders because there were so many jokes, There, there were a bunch of butt jokes about the Oakland Seniors. So um, anyway, that was their first nickname. And they played their first year in Keysar Stadium. And then the end of the first year, they went to Candlestick Park. So, and then to Frank Yule Field in Oakland, which was just this little tiny place. And then they, they really had good teams. Yeah. They, 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 you know, they were in the Super Bowl early. And, um, but anyway, there was a rivalry once upon a time. And I think it's kind of died since they moved to Vegas
1: yeah i just as you said that uh, that's a fun very fun trivia question i looked up kind of their their jerseys um to see if there's you know oakland senior um jerseys and they kind of look like the the bears honestly they're black and white with like yellow stripes uh but the font is even so much kind of the old bear font uh so it's kind of, kind of funny, but then, yeah, they quickly changed to the Raiders um, and used kind of the same funnel, the same jersey, but uh, didn't even have Senor on the jersey, so they just kind of repurposed it, but very, very interesting. So then, uh, maybe, Grandpa, off the top of your head, when did the Davis family get included, like, they, by yeah. the team? Because I feel like they've had uh, – they've been over the Raiders forever. Um, well, they have, and I know it was like 1963 or so at okay.
0: Davis – so when the leagues merged, Al Davis was the commissioner of the AFL. Okay. He was the Pete Roselle, the, you know, um, the top guy. And so then later he, he owned the Raiders. And gotcha. it was, it was a few years after they started the first couple of years. They really, I couldn't even find a stadium. Um, <laughs> they went to the university of California And because Berkeley is right next to Oakland and that was going to be the ideal stadium, but they were turned down. Cal Cal said, no, we don't want you. Wow. Yeah. So they went and played in Keysar, and then Candlestick and um, eventually built a stadium, but they also played in this place called Frank Yule Field.
1: (laughs) That's crazy. Yeah. Well, that's a fun piece of trivia um yeah and and yeah they've been on a roller coaster of, of franchise man if I was a Raider fan it would be pretty frustrating right now because they had some great years um, correct me if I'm wrong but multiple Super Bowls three, um, I think three yeah, yeah. Uh, and now they've kind of just been at the bottom of the league and then kind of with these Derek Carr years, it's kind of just mediocre um, yeah. And stuff, and you know, just paid Devonte Adams a bajillion dollars. But now it looks like Derek Carr, who you know Devonte Adams said it was the reason why he came to the Raiders, both Fresno State guys and the kind of the connection that they had. He's out. So right. what does that what does that mean? Um, that came out today uh, that Devonte Adams kind of said that he that Derek was the reason why he came to the Raiders, and it's pretty funny. Brandon Ayuk on Instagram. Right. Um, don't play the post. <laughs> he said don't play then sit out <laughs> yeah. uh, that, that was super funny.
0: Fun. the raiders had some great teams i mean they were dominant um in the 60s uh, starting with Daryl Lamonica and later with Ken Stabler and, and i mean Todd Christensen and great defenses and they had a Gene Upshaw was you know guard and i mean they were just solid jim otto was the center and they were just knocking on the door every year for about 10 years with that group and um they won a couple but um they you know they ran into kansas city initially and later pittsburgh Mm -hmm. yep and that Franco Harris play was against the Raiders.
1: That's right. You no,
0: know, the Raiders would have gone to the Super Bowl that year had that play not happened or you know, called incomplete or something. But yeah, that was a that was the Raiders.
1: Yeah, I know. And which speaking of that, the immaculate reception, um yeah, of course, they talked a lot about that with the Raiders Steelers playing last weekend is the 50th anniversary. Uh, and uh, something that they mentioned that I didn't think about because we live in the day and age of, you know, instant replay and multiple camera angles and, and stuff that that was such a big deal back then. And it was the immaculate reception, et cetera, because the Steelers are like, he got it. And the oh. Raiders are like, that hit the ground. But yep. there was there was no review. There was no angle that could show it. It was what was called, it was called, and it had huge, of course, huge implications. Yeah. Um, so very interesting.
0: Yeah, and then to you know, um, Franco Harris passed away right before their 50-year celebration. So yep. condolences to his family.
1: Yeah, I know, it's too bad. Um, Dad, what do you remember about the Raiders?
2: Kenny the Snake Stabler, that was, uh, he was, uh, he was, the Raiders were, uh, were fun to watch, you know, I, I recall them in the 70s, you know, and uh, yeah, so Ken Stabler, and uh, uh, I mean, in later years, we had Allen, uh, what's, it, Marcus Allen, you know, running for them, and um, I think he had a uh, uh, tight end, Christensen. Um, Just different, those different players, but Ken Stabler as a kid, you know, those were the, those were fun years to watch. And yeah, they were always contenders and really good, but behind the scenes, it was, um, you know, the ownership, you know, um, was always kind of, kind of crazy. They always fought the
0: NFL. So Al Davis had this running battle with, you know, Um, He said he could move without legal approval and the league, of course, said, no, you need legal approval. And he just moved. Mm -hmm. He moved from Oakland to Los Angeles and then eventually back to Oakland and then to Vegas. Mm -hmm. One other interesting note on Vegas. um, So it's really hard to build a stadium in this day and age, especially in California. This is in Nevada, but I think Las Vegas did a very, very, very intelligent thing in building that stadium. So they implemented a 4% hotel visitor tax for everybody that came and stayed in a hotel in Vegas for a number of years, for like four or five years. And that's where they came up with the money to build the stadium. The visitors actually paid for it, not the locals. And I thought that is brilliant. You know, that's what other cities should do. Yeah. Anyway,
1: um, that's cool. That's cool. No, yeah, it's it's definitely uh, it's a beautiful stadium too. They call it the Death Star because it's big and black and beautiful on the side of the freeway. Yeah, Uh, it is is kind of a sight to be seen and. As I mentioned, I guess they they got the maybe the down payment from the tax from the visitors via that four percent tax, and now they're trying to recoup apparently a lot through the ticket sales because they are charging an arm and a leg. Maybe but, that's terrible, really,
0: because I think of families and taking your kid. Like my father took me to a game in 1949, a 49er game, and at five hundred dollars a ticket, I wouldn't have. He wouldn't have taken me.
1: No, no, you yeah. know. Oh. yeah all right well let's talk a little bit about this game um uh we we kind of already did but you know the niners of course have the number one defense uh we have uh our offense is rolling so get to, getting to know the the raiders they have you know over the course of the season they have the 15th ranked rushing uh offense 13th ranked passing offense Uh, for a total of the 19th ranked uh, offense via total yards they score an average of 23 points a game they also allow 23 points a game their defense pretty middle of the pack uh, allow uh, their 15th best rushing defense 27th best passing uh, defense um, and then allow the 18th most yards They are negative five as far as the turnover margin goes. Uh, As a reminder, we are positive eight uh, for a third in the league. Um, So... With what we just talked about, you though, that they they just lost their starting quarterback. Uh, you've got to believe that they're going to going to lean on Josh Jacobs, who is the NFL's leading rusher with 1500 over 1500 yards um, on the ground, which is very impressive. I've actually had him on the fantasy league uh, this this uh, fantasy league team this year. And yeah, he's a machine. They love giving the ball. He's great with the ball uh he's he's fun to watch the problem is that Derek Carr leads the NFL with 14 interceptions um he's no longer there (laughs) apparently uh Jarrett Stidham uh product of Auburn will make the start I believe this is his first start he's had some you know plays here and there uh but this is You know, this could be a big game for our defense. Uh, They're really going to try and and rush it. I'm imagining we're going to stack the box, really try and confuse um, Stidham where the pressure is actually going to be coming from. Um, But, you know, if Stidham can get the ball off, that's most likely going to go to Devontae Adams because he's tied for the league lead and touchdown receptions with 12. He is their biggest threat. The guy is amazing. Um, Totally, totally respect the dude. Um, And their other offensive kind of get the guy that you should know about is that they have a heck of a kicker. Um, Daniel Carlson um, has a great reputation in the league. It's an indoor stadium. Of course, it's domed uh, and he hits 90% of them. So uh, once they're, you know, at the 40 yard line, you can expect a a 57 yard field goal. Um, They're not afraid to trot him out there.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. This um, looking at the Raiders, um, Josh Jacobs, yeah, he stands out. He, he's got uh, 1,500 yards, um, and he's got 306 carries. The next person on the team that has the next closest yardage is Derek Carr with 100 yards rushing. That's number two, and he's got 24 carries. The next guy has 16 carries and um, like 66 yards. That's, so Josh Jacobs is their whole running attack. You know. Their whole receiving team is Devontae Adams. He's got 12, 1,200 yards. The next receiver in line has 600 yards. Wow. Between um, Devontae Adams and, Derek, uh, and and Josh Jacobs, they each have a, like 11 or 12 TDs mm-hmm. in, in the games. And the next player has four, and it's down from there. So there's two players. If you stop Devontae Adams and Josh Jacobs, their offense comes to a stop. Okay. So, um, and I know Shanahan and, and the boys will know that. So it's, it'll, and we don't have Derek Carr to distribute the ball and they will try run the heck out of it. So, I mean, I feel bad for Josh Jacobs because he's going to have to put this team on his back and uh, he's going to take uh, a whipping from it. You know, it's, it's going to be hard, you know, for, he'd be running uphill the whole time. So. But those are some of my takeaways just looking at the stat sheet and what the strengths of the Vegas Raiders are really Josh Jacobs who takes every rush, and then Devontae Adams has you know double the amount of yards and three times the amount of TDs than any other player. So um, that's kind of sums the, the, them up right there. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and then then on the defensive side of the ball, you know, as I mentioned, the Raiders aren't particularly impressive. Uh, Their best player on defense is Max Crosby. Uh, Defensive end uh, causes a lot of kind of disruption. Um, uh, Has, I think, 18 or 19 tackles for loss. Um, Yeah, 19 tackles for loss this year. uh, Leads the league. Bosa actually has 18, so he's only one behind. Maybe he um, takes the lead uh, this week. That would be awesome to see. Uh, but, you know, beyond that, I know that they just signed a guy, um, to fill in a guy that got hurt in the linebacker core. Um, so that, they, you know, not particularly impressive, uh, or even I saw, um, yeah, uh, we, once again, using the DVOA metric that is kind of risk adjusted and kind of, uh, equates things across opponents and, and things. They have the 31st ranked defense overall, um, so we're talking about problems with the offense. Their defense isn't isn't in good shape either. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, you know, expect the Niners, yeah, to to really try to assert their dominance. They're gonna want to, you know, put this game away early. I think. Oh yeah, um, and uh, even maybe get some, you know, garbage time in that fourth quarter. I I doubt that we'll pull any starters before the fourth fourth quarter, but would love to see Josh Johnson get, you know, snaps in that fourth quarter and other guys maybe a little bit down the the um, the roster uh, to to get some time in that fourth quarter because you know I I don't think that this game will necessarily be ugly uh but i do think the niners will will definitely and should dominate mm-hmm.
0: one All other right. interesting thing it's so as we try to um end up with the number two seed i was looking at minnesota and minnesota is 12 and three okay great record Mm-hmm. But you look at—they've scored 378 points and they've given up 373. There's a five-point differential, and they're 12 and three.
1: Yep. And it's like, whoa. So, um, anyway. Yeah. Uh, what, they, what they have honestly been so good at is they are 10 and 0, or it might even be 11 and 0 now um, in games decided within seven points yeah. um, so they are good at winning close games honestly the Niners especially with those eight game stretch I think we're winning games by an average 17 points um, so we are winning the game early and then kind of putting them away our defense in the second half makes really good adjustments as we've said and it kind of just shuts them down whereas our offense also makes some pretty good adjustments and we, we were, we're good, really good in the third quarter Um, so it's, you know, you had got to respect the 12 and three record, uh, but is there a little luck involved in that, that 10 and zero within seven points? I mean, you got to think there's a little luck in there. Well, in one
0: of those games was when they played the Colts and they were losing 33 to nothing. And I actually turned it off and went and did something else and
1: later learned
0: that Minnesota came back and won that game. And it was like, what? (laughs)
1: well even this last week they were up by eight points with two with three minutes left um and so you know eight points that's they had to give up a touchdown and a two-point conversion so what did they do they let the giants roll down the field score a touchdown and a two-point conversion and then they had to kick a 61 yard field goal to win the game Um, so they they have a lot of holes um they're 12 and three but uh, you know once again looking at their dvoa not particularly impressive uh last i checked they were 10 or 12 i think in dboa but you know have the third best record or second best record in the league right just anyway um but we need to take care of business and just beat the raiders and yep. and then you know one at a time yep watch, watch the raider game over uh, the niners raiders um uh, keep an eye on that packer yeah. score for sure it's the same, same time. They kick off 20 minutes apart. Yep. Um, cool. All right. Well, let's do some score predictions. Uh, I kind of, I'll go first. Cause I kind of just leaned into mine a little bit. I think we are going to win this game 30 to 14. Um, uh, I think we will hit that 30 mark. We'll kind of coast a little bit. Uh, and it might be 30 to seven. And then we let them score kind of a late touchdown uh, of, of source to kind of make it a, um, a 16 point margin. So I will definitely take the over on the line and that the Niners will cover. Okay. Um,
0: I did my score before Carr was okay. <laughs> replaced. So I'm going to just stay with it. I would change it. Um, I'd go a lot higher now, but I said 24 to 19 Niners and I'll just stick with that. Okay,
1: or had maybe a, a few points that had four points because the line moved four points. So 28 19. Okay, all right, 28 19.
2: Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna, I was gonna be right where you're, I think we're gonna, we'll score 30, I say 30 to 13.
1: Okay, yeah, sounds about right. Holding them to maybe a couple of field goals.
2: Yep.
0: Okay. very good
1: very good well um should be a good one um as uh you know before we end we did get some fan mail this week uh we love getting the fan mail. once again you can email us at 49ers family podcast at gmail.com with any questions or comments or hot takes uh we did get an email this week from dan taylor of the 49er faithful part of our 49er family that asked uh, and just kind of an open-ended question of what are the most memorable Niner games for you? Um, so I will let grandpa take this question as kind of his, his segment here. And I know grandpa, you put a lot of thought into this. Um, so I'll hand it over to you. Okay. Um, yeah, so
0: this is a great question. So thank you, Danny, um, for asking it. And I, I've been a 49er fan since 1949. They started in 1946, um, so they've played 1136 games. So it wasn't easy to just pick one. Um, so what I did was I kind of narrowed it down to five, and then I I went um, narrowed it down to one. But in addition, it's been a, really a great franchise. So the Moribitos bought the team for $25,000 um back in 1945 and uh, this is a couple of years ago but Forbes valued the 49ers at 3.05 billion um so great investment and i remember my father telling me when because he knew the Morabitos, he taught the younger one um, in high school, and um, they uh, inherited the money from their father, who was in the shipbuilding business, and my father, I remember him telling me that Mr. Morabito would turn over in his grave if he learned what his kids did with the money, the inheritance. Anyway, um, so The, the Niners have been a proud franchise. They're one of the most prestigious teams. Um, the league started in 1920, and they, they came along 26 years later, but they still have a lot of seniority on a lot of teams. Um, they have the most wins on Monday Night Football, 51. They've been to the playoffs 28 times. They've appeared in seven Super Bowls. They have 22 players in the Hall of Fame. And they have the seventh most wins all time, which is 609. Um, So I gave great thought to, you know, what would be some of the great games. And um, I, so I'm gonna go through them. Number five would be the 2012 divisional round against New Orleans. And this is where Alex Smith, did the bootleg. And I mean, it's the last guy in the stadium you'd think would run about 30 yards for a touchdown down the left sideline. But, and then there was the passes to Vernon Davis. It was a very exciting game. And the Niners won 36-32. So that's my number five. Number four is the 1994 NFC Championship game. Which the Niners beat Dallas 38-28. And some of the background is we always had trouble with Dallas. And Steve Young finally beat him on his third try. The two prior years, Dallas knocked us out in the in the NFC Championship game. Number three all time would be Super Bowl 19, which was played at Stanford Stadium just down the street in Palo Alto. And The Niners won 38, Miami 16, but that week and leading up to that game, Miami got all the hype. There was Dan Marino and um, Don Shula and, you know, uh, Miami got all the hype and it really bugged Montana. And they, this is one of the greatest games the Niners have ever played, Super Bowl 19. Number two on the list is Super Bowl 23 which I actually went to in Miami. Um, it was after the 1988 season. So we beat Cincinnati. That was the drive with three minutes left that Joe Montana took him 92 yards and um, a 10-yard pass to John Taylor won the game uh, with 58 seconds to go. So, um, but my number one game all time would be the 1981 nfc championship game the catch and so i'm going to go into some detail about it the niners won the game 28 27 as you all know but prior to that so it's 1981 um we played in the early 70s for the nfc championship three times and we played Dallas and we lost every time. And Dallas was just a thorn in our side. So there was this buildup to the 1981 game where you just hated Dallas. Um, and this was, Bill Walsh was in his fourth year. Um, Joe Montana was in his third year. And prior to 1981, so, the three seasons prior, our record was 2 and 14, 2 and 14, and 6 and 10. And then in 1981, it all started to come together, and this dynasty was born, and we went 13 and 3. So Bill Walsh, um, he he was the orchestra leader, and he designed this, and he was just brilliant. so we faced Tom Landry and the hated Cowboys and the teams played actually during that season and we hadn't beaten Dallas in forever, but we beat them in 1981 during the season, 45 to 14. I mean, we just slaughtered them, which was unheard of. You know, it was like something, something's wrong here. But anyway, um, we beat them during the season. We went, Um, We had the better record, so the game was played in San Francisco. Dallas had lost five games that year. Um, And just an interesting side note for some of you fans, Wes knows this. Um, but So Joe Montana's in his third season, and our quarterback was Steve DeBerg. And Joe wasn't playing much in – and what Bill Walsh did was DeBerg, when he brought him down to about the 20, to the to the red zone, he would put in Montana and Montana would finish the drive. And he was just getting him that game experience and right by the goal line. So um, Steve DeBerg did most of the work and Montana kind of came in. 1981 was the first year that Joe started every game. He... Um, he played, he started one game as a rookie and seven in a second year and 16 games in his third year. So he was, you know, brought along kind of slowly three years. And then <clears throat> the guy that caught the pass was this guy by the name of Dwight Clark. <laughs> and I know you've all heard of him, but a real fascinating story about Dwight Clark and how Um, we found him, Bill Walsh found him. So Dwight Clark was a 10th round draft pick out of Clemson in 1979. And in high school, Dwight Clark was a quarterback, and he got a scholarship to Clemson, and they made him a wide receiver as a freshman. As a sophomore, they switched him to starting strong safety, and he hated it. So he eventually quit the team. And he, you know, he was, he was going to leave school and quit the team. And he wanted to go play basketball at Appalachian State. But the coach called him back and said, okay, we'll switch you back from strong safety to wide receiver. So he went back to Clemson. And he wore number 30 in college. And he only caught 33 passes in his four years at Clemson. It wasn't a lot. But here's what happened. So for the 1979 draft, which is when the Niners drafted Joe Montana, Bill Walsh was out on the road looking at lots of quarterbacks. And he went to Clemson to work out this guy by the name of Steve Fuller. And Steve Fuller happened to be Dwight Clark's roommate. And Dwight Clark on this day that Bill Walsh was gonna work out Steve Fuller, was going to go play golf and he was about to leave his apartment and the phone rang and he answered it and it was somebody from the school saying um okay the 49ers are here and we need some guys to catch some balls so can you come and they're going to work out Steve Fuller but we need some receivers and Dwight Clark had his golf clubs over his shoulder he was walking out the door his life changed. And he said, sure. Yeah. Okay. I'll go catch some balls. So he, did, he, he didn't He did play golf. He went and caught some balls and Bill Walsh liked him. He didn't like Steve Fuller, but he, he said, this guy is good. And the Niners drafted him in the 10th round because he really did nothing in college. But for the 49ers, he caught 506 passes and 48 touchdowns. I mean, he was just fabulous. His number is retired. 87 is one of the retired numbers. So that's a little bit about Joe Montana and Dwight Clark. The game itself, and I'll be quick here, um, Dallas was a three-point favorite. Um, the game went back and forth for four quarters. I mean, it just kind of rotated and what Most everybody doesn't know, okay, the Niners won this game 28 to 27, but we had six turnovers. Six. You don't win a championship game by turning the ball over once. We had six. Three interceptions and three fumbles. Dallas also turned the ball over three times. So there was a differential of three. But anyway, um, let's see. So – Dallas is ahead 27 to 20. There's four minutes and 54 seconds left on the clock. And the Niners took took over the ball at the 11-yard line. So they were 89 yards away from the Super Bowl um, going against this formable Dallas team. And Bill Walsh is just, I just, the guy was so brilliant. So you think they're going to pass, right? You know, there's four minutes left. We've got to go the length of the field. We're going to be throwing. He ran. And for the most part, he ran. There were some passes, but um, he just kept running and Dallas was playing the pass. So we were gaining seven yards, six yards, eight yards. And it was mostly Lynn bill Elliott who... um, was was running he was a running back we had a bunch of really no name guys um but so anyway they worked their way down the field and with 58 seconds remaining they um had the the play was called red right tight sprint right option and it called for both freddie solomon who was the other receiver he was our number one receiver. And Dwight Clark, they lined, both lined up on the right side. Um, Montana was going to roll to the right and find Freddie Solomon. Well, Freddie Solomon fell down. And Clark was to go left and then come all the way back across the back of the end zone. So he ran across the left, made a U-turn and came back. And they, they had this play, and Dwight Clark was six, four. Everson walls was the guy that was covering them. He was a rookie, but he had a lot of interceptions that year. Um, and so Montana was heavily under pressure. There were three guys on him. at two tall Jones and, um, and he threw that classic pass that is now part of NFL history. And it launched a 20-year 49er dynasty that included five Super Bowl victories. Um, So that's my ageless favorite 49er game of all time. Um, And it's been voted the number two play of all time behind um, uh, Franco Harris's uh, Immaculate Reception. So um,
1: that's my favorite game. That's awesome. No, it was a huge play with huge implications, not only in that game, that season, but as you mentioned, the franchise in general, Um, it was finally can beat Dallas in the game that counts. And it, you know, fans, the team ownership, everybody uh, was just that much more invested, could believe that they did it and could could do it again and again and again. Um, And it was just it was awesome. Awesome. If you've never been to the, the museum under Levi stadium, they have a uh, really good kind of whole piece on the catch and um, Dwight Clark and how tall he is up there catching the ball. Uh, it's just, it's, it's amazing. So uh, thanks. Thanks grandpa. Thanks for sharing that.
0: You're welcome. And the other piece to this, it sent that game, sent dallas into a 10-year decline they just kind of died out for 10 years and and we went we were we had a 20-year run just like new england just did yeah and it it was you know it
1: was a lot of fun that's awesome all righty well that'll do it for another episode of 49ers family Uh, uh we appreciate you guys tuning in listening in uh, please rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And yeah, um, if you have any feedback, questions, hot takes, email us at 49ersFamilyPodcast at gmail.com. That's 49ers, spelled 4-9-E-R-S. All right. Until next time, go Niners.
0: Go Niners. Go Niners.